Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we interview marathon swimmers to get perspective on how to endure, adapt, and overcome the challenges we face swimming and in life. Please enjoy this episode. Right, are you guys ready to meet Cindy? Or get to know her better. <laughs> well, you met her yeah, yeah, I need to meet Cindy. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> All right, Cindy, tell us a little bit about Never. yourself. <laughs> um, so I was one of those babies who pretty much my mom, whenever we were out near the lakes, she was away from the water. So I don't really remember how to swim. Um, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, and uh, in Chicago suburbs, pretty much you, as a kid, if you wanted to do anything, you did it through the park service, through the, the park district. So I swam um, with the park district. I went to the park district pools. Um, we lived a few blocks from them, so as a kid, I would just walk over in the morning and swim during any open free time, um, and then it got to a point where I wanted to swim more, so that meant finding other times I could get into the pool, which was swim team and synchronized swimming. And then um, I would convince my parents to go during family hours. So I was pretty much there from nine in the morning till they closed at nine at night with the rule that I had to come home and um, have lunch, but I had to get out of my swimsuit during any time we ate at the table. So <laughs> um, I swam in high school. I wasn't one of the fast swimmers in high school. I was one of the swimmers who got the fifth and sixth place points. Um, and I think my coaches kept me around for a little bit of team spirit and motivation for the other folks. And then I swam my first year in college. And my first year in college, I realized that I wasn't really enjoying the team atmosphere where I went. So I pretty much, the light switch turned off and I, I didn't go back to the pool for 20 years, about. Yeah, about 20 years. Wow. So, um, yeah, so that was that was my my swimming background, I guess. Um, and then I returned to swimming basically because I was walking down the street in San Francisco and I saw a sign for Escape from Alcatraz, the triathlon. And I think my mind was pretty much blown that you could simply swim from Alcatraz to San Francisco City, and I it completely opened my mind to. A different way to explore the waterways and to to get in the water and swim and that was a motivating force to um, basically get in open water I thought I had to do triathlon so I did that for the first few years and then somebody uh, mentioned to me that I didn't need to run so I was like again my mind was blown so I started doing biking and swimming events Awesome. Yeah. I, I feel <laughs> similarly about, my, about like getting my mind blown. Like, oh, wow, you could swim place it? Like having been a lifelong yeah. swimmer, but not really realizing the way she could do it. Transportation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> where's your favorite place to swim, Cindy? Uh, my favorite place to swim would definitely be um, the Willamette. So I just, I like the, I mean, it's right in my neighborhood. Um, it changes throughout the years. So the temperature, the flow, the current, um, you know, I have the ability to go 
nine miles upstream. And oh. uh, yeah, so I could do that. Or I could go downstream for 15, no, 16 miles. So I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of length there that I can swim and I can be swimming through like a natural area, past little cabin like houses, past huge mansions, through downtown, through industrial areas. So um, it just has the variety that I really enjoy. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what was that? What body of water did you say that was again? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. The Willamette River. Like, if oh. you were to say, damn it, but Willamette. <laughs> it's in Portland. Yeah, it's in Portland. <laughs> okay. You know, we've got the school kill here is where most uh, of the open water swimming takes place, including triathlons. Yeah. School kill is kind of a mixed bag, and, and um, you can get some great sections of it in the Philly area. Um, there's also some dams and, um, you know, some super shallow places. So um, it sounds like this one has a lot of consistency, what you're talking about. Yeah, the, the top uh, 27 miles of it, 28 miles, yes. There's a, there's a dam in Oregon City and below that dam, in the southern and central part of Oregon, of course, is going to run shallower and faster. So um, those parts of the Willamette I haven't swam. It's the river itself is, I don't know, 200, 300 miles. So it's a long river. So when are you going to yeah. do the length? Uh, well, <laughs> you know you've thought about it. <laughs> uh, one other gentleman did the length. And when I first got into open water, I had the luxury of swimming a short section with him. Um, he did it in a wetsuit, and he's a lymphoma survivor. Wow. Um, and he's more of one of the adventure swimmers that's similar yeah. to the gentleman in England. Yeah. In Ireland. Anyway. People too. So, yeah. So, I don't, I don't know. That did one's not really right now on my radar, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cindy will be happy to have you in the uh, Mid-Valley anytime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come east and come to our um, Charles Bender swim. Um, Bridget did that. She can it's a nice you. one. Yes. I do love rivers. <laughs> Why do you swim marathons, Cindy? Um, I swim marathons because I feel like the, the training and the moment that I'm in the event, I feel like I learn a lot about myself. And it's never what I anticipated learning. <laughs> um, my first few years that I did it, I feel like um, I learned a lot of really negative traits about myself and then tried to, the next time I was involved in a swim, try to manage those emotions better. Um, I felt like there were definitely times when I first started swimming that I forgot about all of their life around me and probably wasn't the best person to be around. Um, when I got those race anxieties and the, um, just the short-sightedness of what I was doing. Um, and I really wanted to learn to be able to do both, to be able to swim and to, to be a pleasant person to be around and to not, you know, be snippy with my partner and to give up on my work and things like that. So 
Um, I feel like uh, each time I take on a swim, like there's, it's like a peeling way an onion. I feel like every time I find a new little corner or something that just kind of needs to be evaluated and just- That's such a great image. Out, so. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> um, how do you describe the feeling of completing a marathon swim? Um, pretty much when I finish, I'm like, thank God that's over. There's a lot of relief, <laughs> a lot of relief. Um, I don't, I'm not one of those person who breaks into tears or jumps up and does a little dance. I pretty much pull myself into the boat or stand on the shore. And I think I have probably like 15 or 30 pictures of me standing bent over with my hand on my, both my hands on my knees, just kind of shaking my head in like disbelief that that just happened and that I, you know, just not being able to fully comprehend what just happened and how tired I am and what it means for the next swim. And so pretty much happy to be done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's um, your all-time favorite event that you've participated in so far? That's, yeah. So these are hard, these are hard ones for me. So my all-time favorite event, I would say, was my swim last summer when I swam around Sovie Island or attempted to swim completely around Sovie Island um, in the Columbia, in the Willamette, and uh, the Multnomah Channel. Those are the, all the bodies of water that surround that island. Um, I would say that was my favorite because it just when I did that swim there was a sense of serenity and calm that I had never experienced well I'd experienced it a little bit when I swam in search of Mumphrey but I would say that when I did that swim there was such a calm and completeness that I felt within every moment of that swim that um, just was something so surreal that I never experienced before. So that would, that would be my favorite swim. How long a swim was that? that like, was it uh, so the, the distance of that swim is 38 miles. I did not make 38 miles. Um, we went 20, 22, 23 against current. And then wow. I finished another um, four to six with current. I don't have all the exact numbers, so. Mm -hmm. Is it something that you would just um, challenging to swim against the current. I find that one of my toughest things in, the, in swimming is to go against the current. And so I'm impressed that you can go 20 something miles to, uh, against the current. Yeah, uh, I swim against current all the time, back and forth, so in the river, so I feel pretty in tune with it. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely, it slows you down, so it makes that section longer. Um, but it depends on the current. Sometimes it feels like you're getting to fight against something, and that gives you something to focus on. And it sometimes it feels like you're swimming a little stronger when you do that. You have more to grab on. Um, for me, I'm not always as comfortable swimming with current pushing me because I feel like I relate it to running on a walk in support. Like I feel a little bit more off balance. Hmm. So. Mm, that's interesting. That is interesting. 
Uh, you know, because now the school when Sorry, Cindy, what's the, what's the swim you're most proud of? So I, I alluded this to this a little bit with your post, Shannon. Um, I have two for this. I feel like the swim that I'm most proud of is always the swim I do after a big event. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I succeeded in that swim or failed at that swim. It's always the day or two after when I get back in the water. Mark's seen it. Um, Chris Grafe has seen it, where I've, like in Tahoe, Tahoe was pretty intense for me to um, get back in the water that day. Sorry. Um, so uh, after swim, you know, you're just so tired and you, you're starting over and you're at that place where pretty much you know, the day before you felt like a superhero and you felt like nothing could stop you. And then when you have to get back in the day after a big swim, it's just, it's kind of, you're just back right there where you're going to be the slowest, most fatigued and most probably unmotivated for me of any of my swims, wondering if that magic is still there. Wondering if you really like, can pull that stroke. If you get in, if you're just going to say, this is it, I'm never doing this again. So to me, those swims are very scary and they're very emotional. And um, the fact that I'd like have to get in and do it and I do it, I'm always proud that I did those swims. So that would be, those would be my proudest swims. Um, and if I had to pick another one on a different angle, my other proud swim was when the first year in 2017 20 no 2018 2018 when I brought the team of yetis out to the 24-hour relay um because that swim when we all went out we none of us really knew anything about cold water swimming we came together as a group we trained we figured it out together we had the goal of the 24-hour relay um as a group we showed up, everybody got in, everybody swam their rotations. And without having any history behind us or any type of, um, you know, any type of uh, thing to live up to, I feel like the group came together and they just exemplified our little group spirit that we have here um, swimming and just kind of showed the world at the 24 hour relay who we were and how we take care of each other. And, um, it's, it's not that I'm proud of my swimming that day. I was proud of the group and how we, how we swam that as a group. So awesome. that would be one of my happiest. That's wonderful. Are you yeah, yeah, you guys were, um, I loved your costumes too that, <laughs> for that, um, for that um, 24 hour. Yeah. yeah. Always a fun event. Um, are you a process or an outcome person, Cindy? So this probably will surprise a lot of people because I think everybody assumes I'm a process person because I process a lot of things. I think you're an outcome person. <laughs> um, but after thinking about this and hearing everybody's answers, I definitely am an outcome person. And I will say why. It's not the outcome of the, the medal or finishing the race. But I 
as I mentioned earlier, I fully expect that when I begin to train for something and I'm setting my eyes on an event, I have a purpose in mind of trying to understand something about myself or work on something about myself. Um, and so I'm very driven to get myself in a situation where when I'm at that event, I can be fully aware of what's happening and the uniqueness of the time allows you to really kind of like enter into that moment. So I would say I'm always wanting to get something out of my event in that regard. So it's, it's definitely an outcome driven thing. Yeah. Interesting. I'm glad. To, thank you for the, insp- ins- the introspection on that. That's, <laughs> I haven't figured out why I'm an outcome person, but, <laughs> but, I, but I know that that's usually it for me. Um, uh, how do you adapt to changing situations? Uh, very much like I think Janine mentioned, I love change. I'm, I'm really, I mean, I'm, it's what I've kind of done with my career and um, different aspects of my life. So um, I'm very comfortable with change. Again, I don't like stagnation. I don't like the same, um, I don't like the same swims. I don't like the same conditions. I don't like, you know, flat, easy water. I'd rather like look forward to an hour of wind picking up and beating on me and then a current change or, uh, so I, I like the change. I like it as an opportunity to kind of figure out how to uh, adapt to it. Um, and then with my nursing, you'd like, you can't ever expect how you started your day to be at all what you're going to do for the rest of the day. So there's, I'm pretty, pretty comfortable with like thinking about all the different possibilities and kind of always having that in the back of my head that at some point in time, I'm going to have to pivot and adjust and be flexible. Yeah. Cool. Um, how do you handle hard situations? Uh, I take a lot of big, deep breaths and just freaking run into it. Um, yeah. So, uh, again, I think, I don't know if that's part of my nursing skills. I don't learn it in nursing or I'm a nurse because of the skills, but, um, we walk into a lot of situations that, you know, make you immediately have to react to something you've never expected to see that day. And you like have to put on your game face, take some deep breaths and convince people that there's absolutely like no need to panic when you're panicking completely inside. And um, you have to just like be that calm force. And uh, so I'm pretty, I feel pretty good about dealing with hard situations. Um, Where I find the biggest struggle is when all the dust is settled, then I fall apart and people don't, they don't know what to do with me, so. <laughs> Here, yeah. Um, know what you mean. Uh, well, it's because you just kind of cut it out, right? And then you get yeah. to the other side and you're just like, it's such an emotional toll. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if people who looked up to you during that hard time, they don't know what to do. <laughs> like, oh, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> and they usually haven't seen you like that. They've only seen you a certain way. And then they, they kind of like, fall apart a little bit watching you fall apart and then you have to console them or not or it's it's very it's not comfortable (laughs) so and I would say those situations I've tried to uh work with my crew to explain to them like how I do fall apart and when I do and kind of how to like maybe manage me a little bit um so 
to me, that's part of like what I've, what I've tried to do when I prep the people who are around me during a difficult challenge. Mm-hmm. And I do that at work too now. Like I've got a couple of code words that people will just say to me if I am starting to get all wound up and, you know, maybe on the edge of losing something or being a little bit too blunt with some people, <laughs> doctors. <laughs> so. They need that. Hey. Oh, they, hey, uh, do. they do need that. But Cindy, can I interject something? Because yeah. I was on, I was crew for you once, and, and I'm just going to say this to the group, you know, that calm that she displays, and I think that's the thing that comes from the nursing, can be very deceptive to the crew, <laughs> because it will seem like, hey, she's got this under control, and so that can be a sign as someone becomes like the calming force, that that's, that's a coping mechanism for dealing with the stress, and so when we were on that, I think... It, it surprised a lot of us how calm she was that that she seemed like she was on top of it. And that was actually, I think, a coping mechanism that if I were in that situation with her again, I'd see I'd see that coming and know what was happening at the time. So yeah. it's my two cents. Yeah, in those in those what twenty hours, I don't think I asked for very many things. And when I did, I had very important things I wanted and it just didn't maybe come across. I mean, a few of them did, so. That's tricky. Again, though, good on the introspection front. <laughs> um, how is, what's the hardest part so far of our, the shelter in place quarantine situation in Portland for you? Um, there are two things, and I talked about it a little in the breakout group. For me, it's very, very hard to not be encouraging people to swim right now. And to not be like saying like, hey, I'll meet you at 10 o'clock here. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the person I am. And I'm the person who at least like tried to coordinate getting people together. And I don't feel right now is the time for me to be encouraging people to swim as groups. And I don't feel like it's time for me to be telling people to swim alone. Because I don't think people should be swimming alone. And um, I'm very nervous about, <laughs> well, you in my river where I live, <laughs> I, I mean, it's everybody's, you have to look at the environment and we've got a lot of fishermen on our river yeah. right now, a lot more. And um, to be swimming without a kayaker in the Willamette in the stretches I swim is. Mm-hmm. You, oh, you definitely have to pick your time and place. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then the people who are asking me about doing it or, or that I'm seeing doing it alone doubly scare me. So I think that's a hard part about this time um and then probably not a surprise to quite a few of you but um i have a huge amount of guilt around this time um because i feel like i want to be doing more especially with my nursing so we're not a hot spot so i'd really love to like be able to go and go to those hot spots and just again dive in and be um be right where they absolutely need me, where I'm hearing the calls. But then I also understand that I need to stay here. So uh, there's a lot of guilt there. Can, can I jump in on that and, and be a really, you know, channel my inner mom here? I know that that's not really where we are, but you are in a place that needs you. And even if it's not a hot spot with this virus, from what I'm saying, seeing as a non-nursing professional, you just flat out never know. So you are rescue ready. 
And it's like lifeguarding for 20 years without having to pull somebody in. You are needed where you are. You are absolutely and utterly critical. And do not underestimate the impact you're having. Because what the other thing that I'm seeing with this COVID, with the guilt that comes up, because everybody who can do stuff wants to do stuff. I started my adult life coming into the AIDS crisis. And I don't know where that is on your professional continuum. But one thing about this situation that I'm finding so heartwarming is that it's being addressed in the best interest of every single person. Whereas AIDS was not. So you and your profession are doing exemplary work. Do not underestimate yourself. When you can, you do what you have to do because you are making a difference. They also serve who only stand and wait. All right? Okay. You hang in there. Don't beat yourself up. We need you. All right, I'm done now. Okay. (laughs) Little mom moment, sorry. (laughs) All right, just two more quick questions, Cindy. What advice would you give to an aspiring marathon swimmer? Uh, I would definitely tell them to put their, leave their ego at the shore. I would um, tell them to really examine their hubris because I think uh, some of the best swimmers that I've been with, um, you know, are pretty quick to not listen maybe to uh, our advice or take note of what we're doing um, when we're on the shore because they think they know better, maybe because they got in once or twice. So I think just kind of watching, like slowing down, not talking so much and just watching what your fellow swimmers are doing. Um, You know, if I'm swimming with somebody local, even though I have the experiences I do, if if I'm swimming with somebody local and I see them putting on two caps or doing something that I've never done before um, and telling me which direction they're gonna swim, I'll probably follow them (laughs) um, because I figure that they probably know better than I do those bodies of water. When I go to San Francisco, I, I follow those local swimmers. I, I ask them why they made the decisions they did. I try to learn from them. I, I always try to, you know, um, set all my experiences to the side and learn from them. So that's what I would suggest for new swimmers to do as well. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this morning. And do a quick screenshot if you want to put on a smiling face. <laughs> and we'll uh, see you on Thursday. We're talking to um, Kelly, Kelly Latimer. Woo-hoo! Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, yeah. Cindy. Thanks, Thank you, Cindy. everybody. Good Bye-bye. to see you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Have a great uh, Tuesday. Yay. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. If you'd like to be a guest on Marathon Swim Stories, just email me, shannon at intrepidwater.com. Please stay in touch by joining our email list at intrepidwater.com. Thanks for listening.